Tonight is October 3rd, 2018, and the title of tonight's message is B.O. Yeah, you heard me. B.O. See, I've been a physical therapist for about 14 years, and I've had my fair share of dealing with B.O. Our pastors recently have made a commitment to going to the gym every day, walking, losing weight, sweating. I can tell you that takes a whole new level of B.O. to persevere through that. I'm going to ask you tonight, how many of you, how many of you do people want to be around you because of your B.O.? See, right now in my life, I'm experiencing a separation of people very close to me because of my B.O. But tonight, I want to talk to you about better obedience. B.O., about better obedience. So, tonight, as we begin to go through the Word of God, we look through Scriptures, I want to invite you into Kim and I's life, into Chavai, into the Canyon region, about exactly what's going on with us. And that's it. It's a separation. We're experiencing opposition. We're experiencing not only separation, but criticism from those that are very close to us, those that are around us. And why? Because we're being held to a better obedience. We're being held to a higher level. We are now understanding these things in a new light. And the people that are around us, we're holding them accountable. So this all began about three or four weeks ago. If you show the first slide for me of uh, Roy's house. Kim and I took our vehicle for the very first time and drove into the canyon. And we went to Roy's house, which is um, here in the canyon. This is where everything began back in 2013 when uh, the Lord fulfilled a vision that Cassidy had about a man in a blue shirt with two mules. And, um, or as a woman with, with a blue shirt and two mules. And uh, Pastor Eric is the one who found them when we were in the canyon there on our trip in 2013. And so we drove back to where this all began. And Kim and I were just sitting out there. We were praying. We were praying. We were talking. We were reading scripture. And as we got to begin reading 1 Samuel 15, the Lord began to minister to us and speak to us, begin to encourage us about everything that's going on. And the first thing that came to Kim and I's mind was things that our pastors had discipled us in, things that they had told us, things that they had uh, taught us. And that's where it brings us to our very first scripture. Let's go to Hebrews 13, verse 7. When you're there, say there. So again, we're sitting here and we're talking about not only what our pastors have taught us, but what God was showing us in the word. In Hebrews 13, 7, it says this. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. We began to reminisce and to think back about all the time that we spent here at LCM and the times that we were discipled, the times that we were corrected, what these three men have poured into our lives. And we see their way of life being played out right before us. We are imitating their way of life. We're imitating their faith while we're in Chavai. And can I tell you that what we have learned here, it works out there. It doesn't just occur here in Houston, Texas, but even across nations. Brent is experiencing the same thing in Indonesia. We're experiencing it in Chavai. 
I can tell you when Nick and Judah and Peyton, when they leave, they will experience the same type of thing that we experience here because it works. Now, before we get into 1 Samuel 15, I want to start with something that's very foundational to us here at LCM, and that's Deuteronomy 6.4. So in Deuteronomy 6.4, it's a very familiar scripture to all of us, and that's because it's very foundational. If we look up here on the screen, in the word it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, in the Hebrew, it says it like this. Shema Israel, Yehovah, Elohim, Yehovah, Ehad. The Jews, they say it slightly different. They say it in this manner. They say, um, Shema Israel, Adonai, Elohinu, Adonai, Ehad. And the reason for that is because they will not read the name of God aloud. So they change it to Adonai, which is my Lord. Now, the reason I bring this up is because Shema. The word Shema, in Hebrew, it means to hear, listen, or to obey. Or you can also think of it as this, to hear, to understand, and to obey. At the very bottom, we also have Ichad. Ichad is also the scripture where the Lord gave us Ichad to Peru. The word in Hebrew, it means unity, like a plural unity. It's plural, many, but one. God is three, yet one. Um, so the Lord spoke to us about bringing this unity to Chivai. So everywhere we go, everywhere we go, that's what we're about. We're about bringing others in, bringing people close, making them one body. So in this one verse, we have Shema and we have Ichad. To hear, listen, obey. And to bring about unity. The reason that's so foundational here at the church is because this is also the verse where we get our mezuzahs from. The mezuzahs. How many men in this room have a mezuzah? Come on. If you do not yet have a mezuzah or you do not have a clue of what I'm talking about, after the service, get with one of the pastors, set a date and time to where you can talk to them because this is life-giving. Having a mezuzah is what directs not only your life, but it directs the life of your family, and it directs your life wherever you go, wherever God is calling you to go. Amen? Amen? Amen. Now, to obey. When it says to obey, that is a command that God expects us to fulfill. It actually means that it is to carry out a command, submit to authority, or to behave in accordance with. It's about a way of life that we have created here with not only our mezuzahs, but with our obedience. You hear the pastors always speaking and they say, trust grounded obedience. And that's exactly what they mean. Trust grounded obedience. Obey the Lord at all cost. And see, that's what we're finding out right now. At all cost. The more that we stand for his standard, the more that we stand for his holiness and his righteousness and what the word of God says, it's bringing about a separation. It's bringing about opposition in our lives. But that's okay. Even the disciples that we have now, the two families that are being faithful, they're starting to experience that same opposition in their lives. So it's encouraging for us because as we're walking through it and our pastors are encouraging us and helping us, we're in turn... Helping them. So we're walking with it side by side. And I'm sure the pastors would agree. As we've heard the Wednesday nights, we're speaking about correction. We're speaking about things that are happening in our pastors' homes. Why? Because they are walking it out with us. They're not above us. We're not above them. We're walking this out together. 
It's about trust, grounded obedience. <clears throat> so when I look at this word Shema in the Paleo-Hebrew, okay, the Shema, we're not going to go into all of it, but what they stand for is the Shin, the Mem, and the Ayin. The very top is oppressing the mighty blood and to know. When I see this, the revelation that I receive is it's a pressing into the mighty blood of Jesus to know God more. Okay, now this ought to sound very familiar to you. The word yada is to know. We just had a sermon preached on that. To to yada something or to yada God, it means to make him known. Ibrahim and Eve, are you in here tonight? Where are you? There you are. Uh, What, August 29th, they preached a sermon here, and it was called In Over Your Head. And that's exactly what Ibrahim and Eve were getting us to understand, is that we have to yada God. We have to make him known. We have to get to know him more. Jesus came that God might be known. Ibrahim had a great point in there, and he said, we have to prioritize our time with God. We have to put him first. And when Kim and I listened to the message, it then began to make me even reflect and look back at my life and what I've been doing for the last several months in Chivai. And I said, man, that's such a good word because I need to spend more time with God first thing in the morning. So then when we go out into the plaza, when we go out into the marketplace, we are prepared to minister to the people that God has given us. So if we go out there and we are not armored up, we are not equipped, we don't know God like we think we do. Amen? We need to spend more time prioritizing God in our life and put Him first above every other thing. Because remember, whatever you make time for the most in your life is your master. And we can only serve but one master. Amen? Okay. I think... Uh, let's turn to Exodus 5.2. Exodus 5.2, we're going to see what Pharaoh says. And this is very good when it comes to knowing God. Exodus 5.2, it says... <clears throat> Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? Of course, obey is to shema, is to hear, to listen, and to obey. I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Uh, Pharaoh is being very honest here. He's saying, Hey, look, why should I obey him? I don't know him. I don't yada him. So we have both of those words here. We have Shema and Yada. He's being so transparent. He's saying, yeah, I don't know him, so why should I listen to him? Now, don't get yourself removed from the story here because I'm talking about us tonight, okay? I think there's many of us in here that have the same heart as Pharaoh. You do not know God. You do not obey God in your life because you don't know him the way that you think you know him. You don't know him like you should know him. You don't know him like you truly want to know him. And that's a a heart like Pharaoh. And that's what the problem is. So many of us have a heart like Pharaoh because we don't really get to know him. I like what Jeremiah says. So turn with me to Jeremiah 7, and we're going to go down to verse 22. This, to me, is what brought new light to this scripture because it brought me back to the day that I was saved, the day that I found salvation in Jesus Christ. As Jeremiah 7, we're going to start in verse 22. Amen. He says this. For when I brought your forefathers out of Egypt, out of Egypt and spoke to them, 
I did not just give them commands about burnt offerings and sacrifices, but I gave them this command. Obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. Walk in all the ways I command you that it may go well with you. Now, the 2011 version of the NIV, they get a lot of things wrong, but they do get this scripture right. They interpret it this way. They say, walk in obedience to all I command. I personally, I like that much better. Do we have that in uh, 2011? There we go. Walk in the obedience, he says. See, when I first got born again, even for your own self, when you first got born again, is this not the command that God gave you? He gave you that same command. He said, hey, leave the old, old past or leave the old life behind. Obey what I say. Uphold my commands. Walk in my ways and see that it's going to go good for you. But nothing has changed. Nothing has changed since that time of my salvation and even for your salvation. Except you. See, when we accepted Christ, Christ, he never changed. I just finished reading Hebrews 13, 7 to you. The very next verse, 13, 8, it says this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forevermore. So if Christ hasn't changed, but you have, something doesn't make sense. Because if you claim to be a follower of the way of Jesus Christ... If he didn't change, you have to ask yourself, why have you changed? You remember that fire that burned within you when you first got born again? Then you wanted to do everything that God told you, everything that Jesus spoke to you, right then, right there. So why has that changed in your life? Ten years down the road, 20 years down the road. Why is that command different now than when you first heard it? And so I began to reflect on these as well. For my own self. And I said, that's right. Um, I shouldn't be swaying to the left or to the right. I should be upholding exactly what God is speaking to me. And I should expect the same for those people that are around me. For those that call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. Pastor Wade preached a message a couple months ago. And it was about the separation of the sheep and the goat. And he brought a new spin on it to say, hey, this is not about the Christian and the non-Christian or the sinner and the non-sinner. I'm talking about all Christians. Because there's a separation between those that obey and those that disobey God's word. Amen? Amen. Tonight as we continue, I want you to be reflecting and taking a sober look at your own life, about your own heart. Which category do you fit into? As of tonight, when you walked in here, are you on the side that's obeying God's word? Or are you on the side that's in disobedience? Because there's no in-between. It's either you're here or you're there. The reason I started with Deuteronomy 6, 4, is because, again, that's where our mezuzahs come from. We haven't even got into 1 Samuel yet. Um, We have these mezuzahs because it keeps us focused on what God has directed us, what God is speaking to us, and what he's telling us. And our obedience that we are realizing is bringing about more opposition, is bringing a separation, is bringing criticism. And so we have to always have this before us. So I want to show you another scripture in uh, Numbers 15, because this one here is 
This is what gives me hope. This is where I find my focus whenever I find it hard and, and, and I'm struggling to remain focused on what God is speaking to me. I need something that's forever in front of me so that way I can remember. It's uh, Numbers 15. So when we read this, either highlight it, underline it, uh, write it on a stone. doesn't matter what color, whether it's white or blue, big, small. Just put it on a stone. Um, or for me... We make what we call a tassel wall. Okay? Let's go to Numbers 15, verse 39 is where we're going to start. This is what I call a take action scripture. Okay? Numbers 15, 39. A take action scripture because you'll see after we read it, it's, it's, it is expecting us to do something. It says, <clears throat> you will have these tassels to look at. And so you will remember all the commands of the Lord, that you may obey them and not prostitute yourselves by chasing after the lust of your own hearts and eyes. Then you will remember to obey all my commands and will be consecrated or made holy to your God. Being faithful, being obedient. Having something always set before us. We have the next slide. Here it is. This is the wall in our kitchen. This is our tassel wall. This is something that each and every morning we get up and we see. On the far left is a map of the Chavai area of the canyon region. In the middle is the ministry. And all around it, uh, Kim has printed out um, Acts 4.32, Acts 2.42. It's Talmudium. It's all the things. It's it's a, a candle that has all three of our hands and, and, and when we're all three in shalom and the light burns brighter, it's talking about taking people from darkness into light. And this is what God has asked my family to do in Chivai. And each and every morning we see this and we have to keep it before us so that way we know and can remember God's command to the Brasso family. So I want to encourage you, write stones, do something like this, thanks to my wife. She's great at doing those uh, we call her Bible the uh, pop-up Bible. She has a string of things and puts them on the wall. And anyway, it's fantastic. <clears throat> but here's the thing. It's not just for us. It's for everybody. I look around the room and I see all my brothers. I, Nolan prayed for me today before service. And I just felt the Spirit of God fall in the room on us. And I can remember, Nolan, when you and I back in, what, 2011? 11 or 13, and we were at the men's meeting in Louisiana, the prayer meeting, and we sat and talked around the lake for hours. Things we talked about there, that's for another sermon. But because of the obedience in Nolan's life, look at him now. This brother has taken these things very serious, and he's married, a beautiful wife, a handsome young man, a handsome son, and he's leading prison ministry for us. I look at Daniel. The brother moved here three years ago. The Lord is speaking to him because of his obedience. He now has the Smith family living with the Brown family. And they are tying their mezuzahs into each other to be able to one day reach the nations. I mean, this is what I call obedience, guys. Um, We see Nick and Judah and Peyton. They're doing the exact same thing. They're keeping their mezuzahs before them. They're keeping the commands that God is speaking to them right in front of them. And they're going out to reach the nations. Guys, it's for each and every one of you in this room. I don't know if you realize it, but the reason you're here at this church is to be discipled. It's to be raised up. It's to be prepared and equipped 
to be sent out into the nations to make a difference. This is not just every ordinary church. This is not the church that has Sunday school taught by your grandmother. No, this is serious. This is for the people that want to reach the nations. And guys, we're doing it. That's why we have the One Association coming up. It's because we are doing it. And I want you to know, for those of you, I've seen a lot of new faces here. If this is not what God is calling you to, this might be the wrong church for you. Because we are serious about the things of God. Our steadfast, trust-grounded obedience comes first in our lives. It's evident by the ones that are sitting in this room tonight. Amen? Amen. Somehow I got off the sermon. Let's go. All right. It's... (laughs) It's, it's about taking accountability of our lives. It's about people depending on us. There are people out there that depend on your obedience. Nick, you guys just came back from Turkey and Georgia. You already met people. But you know what, brother? They, there are people waiting for you that you do not even know of right now. You know, Nick and I were talking the other day, and you know, we were just talking about how when they get there, The Lord's going to send those people for church. They're going to send them for being discipled. And Nick, I just want to encourage you guys, man. When you go, the Lord is going to do so much more than you even imagine. Our minds are way too small and finite. that We we put God in a box. What God is doing with my family in Chivai, Kim and I would have never dreamed this, never even thought it was possible. But what a little bit of obedience will do, brother, in our lives is amazing. And so... I just want to take this time to say thank you for all you guys who've been praying for us, those of you who have made the trip over to see us, because it is very humbling, but at the same time, the power of God that moves through you and in you can change the nations, and we're seeing that already, one life, one family at a time, and the nation is being taken over. Amen? All right, let's move on to Ezekiel chapter 3. We're talking about obedience, and um, I want you to see this. In Ezekiel chapter 3, where the Lord speaks to Ezekiel. This is when he receives his calling. When you're there, say there. There. Guys, don't get quiet on me. We got a ways to go. All right, here we go. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord says, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. Verse 18. When I say to a wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not warn him or speak out to dissuade him from his evil ways in order to save his life, that wicked man will die for his sin, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. See, I take that serious, guys, because that's the command that God has given us. He calls Ezekiel son of man. He does it on purpose. In fact, he does it some about 93 times in the whole book of Ezekiel. He calls him son of man. He's distinguishing him as a human being and something different from all the visions that Ezekiel had. But the thing is, he wants him to hear what he is speaking to him. So he repeats it over and over again. He also uses this statement. He says, then they will know that I am the Lord. And he uses that statement all throughout Ezekiel as well, some about 60 times. He does it because it's about judgment. The point I want to make tonight is that you will hear me say probably the word obey, obedience, some 200 times tonight. Why? Because I want you to hear what God is speaking tonight through me, right? What he has to say to you is important. And I take it very serious because I'm the one standing up here preaching tonight. 
And I'm accountable for your life tonight, for me speaking directly. Because if I don't say what he wants me to say, I'm accountable. Your blood is on my hands. Amen? Amen. Say obey with me. Obey. Amen. Okay. So in this, in this verse, back in verse 17, you see the word. It says, uh, hear the word. In the Hebrew, that is Shema Dabar, which means to obey and the word. So what it's saying is, Obey the word of God. Amen? Amen? Now, he goes on further. And Pastor Eric alluded to this just a few minutes ago. He calls Ezekiel a watchman. The word watchman in the Hebrew, it means to look out for. The word is tasah. And it's to look out for or to watch. It's a metaphoric or a figurative for a, a uh, prophet. And here's what it says. When I look at this in the Hebrew... This is the revelation that I get. It is to hunt for the scattered people of God and reveal the breath or revelation of God to them. Or another one is a journey to blow and scatter the breath and revelation of God on the people. What I say, Pastor Eric alluded to it earlier, is that we no longer consider ourselves or call ourselves in Chivai missionaries. Because, as he said, it's not in the Bible. It's something that we have made up. And here's what... Kim and I have found out when we talk to people and we say, um, yeah, we're missionaries. The very first question they ask is, oh, how long are you staying? When do you leave? Because see, in their minds, a missionary, it it implies a very short term stay. So anywhere from two weeks to three months, that's what they envision. And they have seen them all over, all over the, the canyon. And truly, honestly, what we have found is they don't have much respect for them because they just come and all they want to do is talk to the people They don't engage. They don't invest any time into them. So what we have done now is we have adopted watchmen. We have adopted shepherd or pastors. And that's what Pastor Eric was saying. We're now doing the same thing there that we do here. There's no difference. We just happen to be in a foreign country, which now that foreign country is our home, so it's no longer foreign to us. Amen? Okay. I know I said we'd preach about 1 Samuel, so let's get there. 1 Samuel chapter 15. That was a sermon within the sermon. All right, here we go. 1 Samuel 15. Let's start in the middle in verse 22. Okay, this is the chapter where we see that the Lord is rejecting Saul as king. However, we see Samuel trying to hold Saul accountable for the things that have taken place here. Verse 22 says this. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as... As in obeying the voice of the Lord, he presents it to him as a question. Then he gives him a statement. He says, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. Now, the Lord is always looking for our obedience first and foremost. That's why it's so foundational here. That's why we put such emphasis that it's trust-grounded obedience. This obedience that the Lord is looking for, he's not asking for a sacrifice. But how many times do we do that? We bring the Lord a sacrifice or we run around sacrificing things in our life, whether it be our time, our resources, our finances, whatever it is. The problem with that is God didn't ask you to do that. Nine out of ten times, he just wants your obedience. The other 1%, you're being obedient. 
The thing is, we need to be more intentional and more directional when God speaks to us. All this busyness in our lives. Uh, we, we talk to some people in, in Arequipa. And every time I talk to them and I say, hey, how things are going? What is God doing? And next thing I know, I get a laundry list of how busy they are. And nowhere in there have I heard what God spoke to them, nor have I heard what God has told them to do for that day. See, in God's eyes, busyness does not equal obedience. That right there, I see that as a Martha spirit. Running around, running around, doing this, doing that. Sometimes, man, we just have to sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary did. There's a reason that Jesus teaches us that parable. He wants us to put it into practice. He wants us to take action with it in our own lives. So see, as Kim and I begin to, or not only begin, but continue to stand for this um, greater level of better obedience. Everybody say better obedience. Better obedience. This better obedience in our lives. We're, we're finding out about that separation. We're finding out about the opposition, the criticism. We're finding out things about ourselves as well as others that are around us. This isn't just a one-way street. And um, we are learning and we are growing very much from it. So just before Samuel asked Saul about this obedience, he reminded him and warned him about these truths in his life. So go with me. Just slide up a little to verse 17. We're going to start there. In verse 17, it says this. Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? Now, again, he presents it to him as a question. We've seen him do this just a few minutes ago in in, uh, verse 22. Then he follows it up with this. The Lord anointed you king over Israel. He, He asked him as a question. Then he's reminding him, man, didn't he do this? And look at verse 18. He says, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them. Until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? He questions him again. Why did you pounce on the plunder? And why did you do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Okay, now watch this. Saul's response. He said, but I did obey the Lord. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. Watch out for the deception and justification here coming. Saul then says... Man, I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back King Agag. Can you say deception? Yeah. See, Saul thinks that he did exactly what God asked him to. Completely destroy the Amalekites. No, he brought something back. Now listen to the justification here in verse 21. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Deception and justification. We never see ourselves right. And then the first thing we want to do is to justify it whenever we're questioned. Anytime someone brings it up, when someone acknowledges what's going on in our own lives, we bring, we bring about deception. Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't me. It was those soldiers that did it. Okay. Husbands, I'm going to talk to you for a minute. <clears throat> How many times have you blamed things, problems in your home, on your wife or your children? Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Um, 
I'm, I want to tell you right now, just like King Saul, you are responsible as the priest of your home for everything that takes place in your home. Everything. Whether it's your wife's fault or it's your children's fault, ultimately, it's your fault. I have a saying in my own house that if my wife doesn't succeed and my daughter doesn't succeed, I don't succeed. I need them to succeed so I can succeed. It is my fault. The buck stops with me. There's no reason to point the finger because I'm the one in control. And I want you guys to understand this because so many times we're so quick to justify the problems in our lives because it makes us look better. Why? Because we're deceived about where we really are. We're deceived at what's actually going on in our own lives. That's why it's called deception because you don't know. I mean, the series that we just had on Wednesday night about correction, man... If that's not water to your soul, if you're not looking at that series with the eyes of Christ, already you're deceived. Because, see, we should be thanking our pastors for sharing their lives, for bringing about the correction and counsel for us. Because when you can't see something and you can't see what's going on in your own lives, you need someone to say, hey, wait a minute. This is what's truly happening. This is what's going on. Instead of getting mad... It should be like oil on your head. We already had that series. Let's go. Okay. <clears throat> so this is the first enemy that the Israelites encountered when they came out of Egypt. That was the Amalekites. We learned that back in foundations class in our Exodus study. Again, that's why it's great to go to foundations. Uh, Monday night was fantastic. We're in First Samuel. See how timely the word is? We're in Samuel because we're teaching about Samuel. Foundations is fantastic. So if you're not attending Monday Night Foundations, now's your opportunity. The things that you learn there is, is, can't even be explained. Uh, it's just fantastic. Okay. Your flesh, it always wants to do what is right in its own eyes. That's why we need someone else speaking into our life. Because when our flesh is deceived... We actually believe what our flesh is telling us. Amen? Okay. Let's go to this next slide. It's the internal sin struggle. <clears throat> and I was sharing with uh, the pastors and Nolan uh, before service that I could remember seeing this picture in the church on Eldridge before we even got here. This is so vital to us. So let's go to James chapter 1, starting in verse 13. Are you guys getting something out of this tonight? Yes. Amen. Okay, verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Verse 14. But each one is tempted when? By his own evil desires. Say that with me. By his own evil desires. Okay, now let's put it into practice for ourselves. Say, by my evil desires. By my evil desires. Yeah. See, we have to stop reading the word like it's for somebody else. A lot of times we read the word and, and something comes to our mind and we say, man, that'd be great for so-and-so. That'd be great for so-and-so. I need to give this to them and that. How about if we apply the word of God when we read it to ourselves first? Amen. Amen. So when by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Verse 15. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, 
gives birth to death. And look, even James gets this. In verse 16, he gives a disclaimer because he understands that the blood of those are on his hands if he doesn't warn them about the sin in their life. He gives them this one, verse 16. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. James knew what was going on. So if you look at the pyramid... It starts at the very top. Whenever we're talking about being tempted, it's talking about the the desire of sin. And by the time we get to the very bottom, it's what brings about death. So it's not a coincidence that it's starting at the top with that evil desire, and it ends up at the bottom in death. Amen? Okay. I want to show you how easy this happens in our own lives. We were talking to the Brazilian missionaries. Our evil desires will lead us to death. We were talking to the Brazilian missionaries, and they were expressing to us how they want to come to Javai. They want to help us do things. And uh, he said, well, buddy, the only problem is is we have to be praying for finances because of the transportation. And immediately I'm thinking, man, if I have extra finances, I want to give it to them because it's not mine anyway. And I want to use it for the kingdom. And so in my mind, that's a good thing. All the meanwhile, Kim is sitting there. Acts 3.6. Acts 3, 6. And I'm like, immediately I know exactly what she's saying. A year ago, the Lord gave us Acts 3, 6. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And what the Lord was telling me was this. That silver and gold, the worldly riches, the finances, I no longer have. I don't have that to offer to the people anymore. But what I do have is what those things represent. The silver is the redemption of Jesus Christ and the gold is the divinity of God. That's what we have to offer, which far outweighs anything else that we could give them. Again, that's Acts class, guys. So if you haven't signed up for Acts class, get to it. The things that we learn outside of church is amazing here, guys. You don't come and get discipled just on Sundays and just on Wednesdays. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. Amen. One more time. We do not get discipled here at the church on Sunday and Wednesdays alone. Come on, I should get a better amen than that. Thank you. All right. As much as our pastors are our example here at the church... Ultimately, for all of us, Jesus is our example. And he reminds us of this in Philippians 2.8. Let's go there. Philippians 2.8. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, let me tell you, that's the kind of obedience we should all be striving for. We want to be a follower of Jesus. We should be following him. We should be humbling ourselves. That's the most important part right there is that Jesus humbled himself even unto death. You have to ask yourself, when is the last time I humbled myself to be so obedient that I even died to the flesh? Let me say that again because I'm not sure everybody heard that. I said, when is the last time that you were like Jesus and you were so obedient that you were even obedient unto the flesh? What area in your life, even on your way to church tonight, were you battling? What area of your life were you struggling with, were you fighting for? 
what part of your life on your way to church you said, you know what? I can't wait to get to church. I can't wait to get to the throne room of God because I need you. Because there's things in my life that I need to put to death. Guys, those very things that we're fighting against day in and day out are the very things that's going to keep you from fulfilling your calling. The things that God has orchestrated for you to do in your life, that disobedience is going to take the calling away from you. We're going to see this here with Saul. But as followers of Christ, we're always engaged in some type of spiritual warfare. Pastor Eric said that right before uh, we began worship. We're always engaged in some type of spiritual warfare. And the more obedient you are to Christ, the more warfare, the more spiritual warfare you're going to encounter. And it's to be expected. And that's why it's so important that we are prepared Because if not, it will destroy us. It will destroy the things that we're all about. See, Saul had the opportunity. Watch this. Saul had the opportunity to be an instrument of God and to fulfill a prophecy that was given to Moses. I want you to see this. So go with me to Exodus 17. I want you to see how your life and your obedience, other people are depending on it. This is um, Exodus chapter 17 Verse 14. He says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears that he shma, he shma this, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. So then Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. The ESV, I don't know if we have that translation. The ESV says this way. It says, recite it in the ears of Joshua. That's because the Lord wanted him to hear exactly what he was saying. It was to recite it. It was to say it over and over again. That's why we see things repeated more than once. God wants to get your attention. Okay? Now, Saul had that opportunity, but he failed miserably. He failed miserably because he allowed some of the Amalekites to remain in the land. He brought back King Agag, and that's not at all what God asked him to do. There is no obedience in what he did. Let's go down, or let's go back to this First Samuel 15. I want to, I want to show you this. Uh, 15 verse 28. Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today, and, it, it has, um, and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. Who? <laughs> when I read that, guys, I, I'll be honest. I thought to myself, man, one day if I woke up and the Lord gave that word to me, he said, buddy, because of your disobedience... I am tearing the kingdom from you. I'm tearing that calling away from you that I entrusted you to. Because why? I'm giving it to one of your neighbors. I'm giving it to someone who's better than you. Now, I never claimed to be the best. I never claimed to be the one who had all the answers for Chavai. I never claimed to be the most godly, the most holy, or any of these things. But you know what? God called me. And I'm the one that's there. 
And so I take that charge very seriously. There might be many men. There might be some of you guys in this room that could do a much better job than me over there. But you know what? When God said, who will go? I said, here I am, Lord, send me. I was fulfilling the same thing that Isaiah said, okay? It doesn't matter about my qualifications. What it matters about is my obedience. We have to get over ourselves, step away from yourself for a while, and see what God is asking you to do because it is about your obedience. He's not looking for mighty men. He's not looking for men that have all these accolades and names and numbers behind their name. No, he's looking for men with pure obedience. That's all he's looking for. Partial obedience is no obedience at all. In fact, look at this. Partial obedience is, say with me, complete disobedience. Yeah, that's, that's a very good word. It's partial obedience is complete disobedience. Um, this partial obedience, as I think Pastor Eric preached about in one of the Monday Night Foundations, is that partial obedience will allow the enemy to stay in the land. And that's exactly what we saw with the Amalekites. He left a small remnant in the land. He did not kill everything in the land. So I want to show you what happens through this disobedience. Amalek. Amalek here, it represents your flesh nature. It represents sin that's in your life. Watch this. King Agag. He was king of all the Amalekites. And you know what his name means? King Agag, his name means, I will overcome. Can I tell you what? That if you do not take control of your flesh... Your flesh will overcome you, it will destroy you, and it will completely put you to death. You see, the things that we disobey God in, we think, oh, it's no big deal. Maybe sometimes somebody doesn't even know it. Maybe you're the only one that knows that you're disobeying God. But you can see right here, the circumstances in your life, the decisions that you make, whether you obey or disobey God, affects generations to come. That was part of the prophecy if we had read further down in, uh, in, in, in Exodus with Moses. He said that you will be at war with the Amalekites for generation to generation. See, King Agag, he had a choice to either be obedient or not be obedient. We have a choice. His choice, he allowed a remnant to remain. So because of that, He was choosing to serve the flesh, and it's no different in our lives. Again, you're only going to serve one master. You'll either obey the flesh or you will obey the Holy Spirit of God. A good reminder is Galatians 6. So let's turn there. Galatians 6, verse 8. Thank you, brother. Galatians 6, 8 is our reminder for this. It says, whoever sows to please their flesh... From the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. How many of you in this room want eternal life? Amen. We need to start being more obedient to the Holy Spirit of God when He speaks to us. We need to not only hear it, we need to understand it, but more importantly, we need to obey it. Because obeying God is an action. It is something that we must put into practice. Like I said, we just had the correction series. Oh, man, if that wasn't good. The correction series. 
Are you being ruled by your flesh or by God's Holy Spirit tonight? Think about that. You can only serve one. You can only have one in your life. See, Saul, he lost. He lost what God had promised him. He lost his throne because of his disobedience. I want to show you something else. This even goes further than just King Agag. Um, Haman. Haman from Esther chapter 3. He's a descendant of King Agag. Okay? His whole mission was he wanted to destroy the nation of Israel. He wanted to destroy all the Jews because of King Agag's disobedience. Okay? Because he did not follow the command and totally destroy all the Amalekites and everything in the land. So Haman here, he represents that small part of your life of sin that has not been dealt with. See, we think that if we just don't deal with something and we just leave it there by the wayside, nobody sees it, we don't disrupt it, we leave that sleeping giant there, everything is okay because nobody knows. Wrong. Wrong. The Holy Spirit will bring all things to the light. Amen? Amen. The flesh. How strong. But God's Holy Spirit is so much stronger. There's areas in your life tonight that need to fully be destroyed, fully be surrendered to Jesus Christ. There's those areas that maybe are hidden so deep in your heart that only you know about. There may be areas in your life that your spouse doesn't even know about. As that, that wasn't in the sermon. I just feel like that's for somebody in the room that they, there is somebody here that has hidden sin so deep in their heart, so deep in their life, that your spouse doesn't even know. We want to thank the Holy Spirit and our obedience because I hope and pray that whoever that is in here, that you're set free from that because if not, your calling will be removed from you before you even begin the race. See, Saul didn't obey God. He didn't listen. He didn't hear. Because he was always worried about doing what he wanted to do. But when he was confronted by Samuel, and he realized he had sinned, then that's when he, he confessed. In verse 24 there he says, Oh, yes, I have sinned. I have sinned. I sinned because I was afraid of the people. See, he wouldn't have said it if he wouldn't have been confronted. I think maybe sometimes we need to be confronted more by the word of God and by those around us that are trying to hold us to a higher standard. Instead of being resentful, instead of being mad and, being, and having bitterness in your heart because somebody confronted you about the truth of God in your life, perhaps it's an opportunity for you to be set free completely. And so Saul... When confronted by Samuel, realizes he has sinned. He said, yes, it's because I was afraid of the people and I gave in to them. Yeah, the fear of man. Come on, somebody. When's the last time you had fear of man in this room? I know I'm not the only one. Come on. The fear of man. It'll tear the kingdom right out of your hands. We have to overcome our fears, whether it's the fear of man or the fear of anything else. The fear of man specifically, I know, has conquered so many. And it's real. 
the fear of man. When is the last time you dealt with it? Is it time to deal with it to where tonight could be the very last time that you deal with it? That you're completely set free? Obeying the word of God is better than any sacrifice we can ever give. Amen. 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 Go on down with me to Samuel, 1 Samuel uh, verse 35. Talking about this separation. It says, Until the day Samuel died, he did not go see Saul again. Though Samuel mourned for him, and the Lord was grieved that he had made Saul king over Israel. Can I tell you, we do not want to grieve the Lord, nor do we want to grieve the Holy Spirit because of our disobedience. Because of our disobedience, it will remove the things of the kingdom from your life. That separation, again, is between those who obey and those who disobey. Again, go back and listen to Pastor Wade's message. He did a great job at explaining that, bringing it to new light. So don't think that you're better than this group of people or you're better than those people because he could be talking about you. It could be talking about you tonight. The separation of those who obey and those who disobey. But even, among, even amidst our disobedience, God is always faithful. Look at the very next scripture, uh, 16.1. <clears throat> the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? Since I have rejected him as king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. See, what, what the Lord is telling Samuel, he's like, hey, fill your strength with the Holy Spirit of God. That's what he's talking about here. The horn is his strength and the oil is his Holy Spirit. Do that because of my faithfulness. I have given you another king. He said that to him right there. He said, hey, I will raise up someone better than you. And it's exactly what he's doing. He's putting David in place. I want to show you what my formula for holiness is. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. I call this, just for myself, buddy's formula for holiness. It's four steps to holiness. (laughs) This is what keeps me on track. If you won't, use Buddy's formula for yourself. Here we go. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says, Take action. I'm sorry. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires as you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So here it is, four easy steps. Take action, going all the way back to obey. If you start to take action in your life and be self-controlled, that brings about obedience. That obedience, when you're walking in perfect obedience, remember what we said, partial obedience is what? complete disobedience but that obedience will bring about holiness so for me 
When I need a reminder, not only do I see it on my wall, but I go to this scripture because it's four easy steps. And I was joking with Nolan earlier. I said, you know what? If we could just be holy each and every day, we don't need the first three steps. So we could bypass those. We could forget about the first three, go straight to the fourth one, just be holy. But of course, God knows our deceitful heart. That's why we need the first three. Amen? Okay. So we see that when God has um, spoken to Saul about his obedience, about his disobedience, we can learn something from his mistakes. And like for Kim and I, when God spoke Chavai to us, we expressed our obedience in that we moved straight to Chavai. We went as fast as we could because we heard the voice of God speaking to us to go to Chavai. Now, we didn't settle for someplace else outside of Chavai. Because he spoke Chavai. We didn't settle in Arequipa, Yanqui, Koparake, any of these other places. Why? Because we heard what God's voice said. And we were being obedient. So that doesn't make us better than anybody else. What that does is it makes us obedient to the word of God. Amen? Amen. Now, see, if we would have listened and had the fear of man, we heard all kinds of things. We heard stuff like this. Man, settle in Arequipa, it's so much bigger. There's so many more opportunities for you. It's surely not as cold. Oh, the people speak better Spanish there. I mean, you don't want to learn Spanish from those people, do you? But praise the Lord, I heard from God and I knew where we were going. Why? Because, yes, we do want to learn Spanish from those people. Those people is who God's called us to. <laughs> exactly why we need our mezuzah. Exactly why we need to hold fast to Deuteronomy 6.4. Because that's what gives us life. That's what gives us vision. That's what gives us direction in our lives. We have to make sure that we are maintaining an ear that is in tune with God's Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's go on. The fear of man I mentioned earlier. We have to continue to cast that down. We have to continue to be obedient to what God is speaking to us. Because remember... Without faith, it's impossible to please God. The trust-grounded obedience. Say that with me. Trust-grounded obedience. Obedience is a product of faith. Or you could say that faith produces obedience. Either way. Um, you may have heard actions speak louder than words. In fact, that's one of the very first hats we had here at LCM. James 2.22. Faith without action is dead. I like the way Pastor Treaster told me. Um, Pastor Eric Treister from New Life, he says it this way. When you live your life in obedience to God, you should never have to open your mouth. That's good. That's much better than you're staring at me. <laughs> Say it again. When you live your life in obedience to God, you should never have to open your mouth. Right? Amen. Because people are watching you. People want to see your life in action. And I can tell you that's what has helped to transform the lives of those in Chavai around us. Because they see what we do, the things that we put into practice. We don't just come and preach to them. We don't just give them scripture. We live this out day in and day out. And that's what transforms their hearts. Because they have never seen it before. In fact, some of them still do not understand why we're living in Chavai. But it's because of the love of Christ. Every time we think about that, one of Kim's favorite scriptures is when Jesus crossed the lake. And he uh, showed up on the other side and he's getting out of the boat. And it says, 
that Jesus looked upon him with compassion. And guys, that's something that we miss so often. You know, we're so eager to bring the word. We're so easy, you know, eager to bring a rebuke or to correct someone. But sometimes we just have to settle on the compassion that Jesus Christ displayed. Why? Because we need to display obedience in our life. And that's what Jesus has demonstrated to us as well. So it's that obedience that these people are watching our lives day in and day out. When we work alongside of them. When we do things that they don't even ask. We're just demonstrating to them the same things that we have been doing here. And the things that we have been taught. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Pastor Matt, would you come up? I'm going to get ready to close. Pastor Eric, I'm going to share a scripture too, but uh, I'm going to have you come up to close too, please. In closing, this is what I want to share with you, is that Chavai is my Jerusalem. This is what God has given to me, to my family. And going out from there, the canyon is my Judea. Arequipa is... My Samaria. But I have to keep focused on what God has asked me to do. And just like Jesus, he spoke to the disciples and he said, Remain in Jerusalem until you receive that gift that was promised. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Because when you do, then you will be empowered. And when you're empowered, then you can be my witness. I want to encourage you guys. You're here at LCM to be discipled to be raised up, to receive the fullness of what God has for you. So I want to encourage you, remain here in your Jerusalem until you receive all that God has for you. Until you are empowered, then you can go out to be his witness. Jesus chose only 12 men. And through those 12 men, their obedience changed the world. The Lord has given our pastors a vision about 12 springs and 70 palms. And because of these three men that are standing on the altar tonight, we are seeing the nations changed. And you know what? It starts with us. It starts with an obedient man of God like myself. Just imagine what your obedience can do for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Where could He put you? What nation can He plant you in that your life would turn over nations to the King of Kings. Stand with me as I read a scripture. This is out of 2 Corinthians 9. Leave your Bibles. I just want you to listen. I just want you to meditate on this. It says this. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. And for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. See, as disciples here we're supposed to be changing lives one life at a time one family at a time and one nation at a time but you know what it's your life and your family that it starts with 
So before you can put your eyes on a nation, put your eyes and your obedience in your own life and in your own family. See to it that it's your life and it's that your family is the one being changed first and foremost. See, don't let your calling be taken from you because of your disobedience before you even start. I'm going to leave you with this. Have you completely destroyed all the Amalekites in your life? Or somewhere deep in your heart, have you made a treaty with the Haman that's in your life? Think about it. I love you guys. And I want to see each and every one of you succeed and fulfill what God is calling you to. Amen. There's really nothing that's more powerful than a man sharing his own experience with the Word. Pastor Brasso started in the book of Exodus saying that Pharaoh had neither heard nor experienced the Lord. But he did go on to experience the Lord, didn't he? He got that through a plague of blood, a plague of frogs, a plague of gnats. Those things all touched the comforts in his life. It's pretty hard to relax on a Saturday afternoon in Egypt with a house full of frogs. Then he goes on to experience flies and livestock, boils. Began to affect his possessions. When that didn't get his attention, God moved on to bringing hail and locust and darkness that could be felt. It affected his it, it, it actually affected his very mortality. Do you know what hardened Pharaoh's heart and all of that? It was just a few verses from what Pastor Brasso said. It's not that God brought chastening upon him that hardened his heart. You know what hardened his heart? It's found in Exodus 8.15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen. Has the Lord been too kind to you? Should you have had the blessings of God torn from your life already? Because you're standing there saying, I did do what you told me to do, Lord. I did. All the while, Agag is standing next to you. And has God's slowness in judging you and His mercy in bringing you relief become something that's allowed you to be hard in the house of God. What else could it be when we sin habitually in all of the same areas and don't tear our clothes and pour dust on our heads? What could it be? There's all kind of men that can speak in this world. Some that can sing. I prefer the Brassos because they're serious about doing. I want to encourage you in these closing moments, we're going to pray in the next 10 seconds, to examine your life and see if your heart has not become hard because of what God has allowed you to live with without killing you. It's my experience that the Christians that feel like they're doing just fine 
have the most abysmal spiritual walks. And the ones that are under such conviction that they're always repenting, always searching their hearts, they're actually so close to the Father. Are you comforted by the hardness of your heart tonight or are you comforted by the affirmation that you have done and obeyed what God told you to do? Because there's really only those two choices. Father, we lift up this time before you. Lord, there is no one that is like you who takes ordinary men and does extraordinary things. Lord, we say, don't pass us by. Don't look us over. In this generation, Lord, we want to stand for you. Lord, we take responsibility tonight for what we have not put to death. We come, mighty God, with sword in hand for our own crucifixion. Move in this place, Spirit of holiness, that we might stand in the affirmation of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray.